Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to coastaloakschurch.org. Now, grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. I'd like you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 16, as Billy mentioned. And earlier today, we kick off our Reach Texas mission offering for missions in the area of, of our, our state of Texas. And I love, I love to go to Acts chapter 16 because it reminds us as a church the mindset we're to have, and it's called a missional mindset. To be, to be missional is simply to adopt the posture, the thinking, uh, the behaviors, the practices of a missionary as we think about reaching our culture and engaging our culture with the gospel. So in, in, a, in another way of saying that to be missional is to think like a missionary. And what a missionary does is a missionary tries to find ways to engage the culture. We're going to look at some of the statistics in this um, handout that was in your uh, connection guide today, looking at our, our state of Texas and, and be hopefully reminded of this incredible mission opportunity that God has given us right here. But I want us to read this passage in chapter 16. We'll just begin with a few verses in verse 6 of this incredible outreach responding to the Holy Spirit's move to plant churches. This is speaking of Paul, Silas, his missionary team. They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia and were prevented by the Holy Spirit from speaking the message in Asia. When they came to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, bypassing Mysia, they came down to Troas, and during the night, a vision appeared to Paul. A Macedonian man was standing and pleading with him, cross over to Macedonia and help us. And after he'd seen the vision, we immediately made efforts to set out for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to evangelize them. This is one of the first passages where you read the, the term us, and we believe that as Luke wrote the book of Acts, we're not sure at what point he joined the missionary team of Paul, but by this time he's saying us and we. So we have this description, Luke writes firsthand of their call to plant churches and their response to the Holy Spirit. First of all, if we're going to have a missional mindset, we're going to need to do this. We're going to need to be energized by the Holy Spirit. What happens when we do that, when we say we're going to engage our culture and have a missional mindset, we will have this by being energized by the Holy Spirit. I just read that. Did you notice through that passage as Paul and his missionary team are planning on going this way, the Spirit stops them and moves them another way, and then they go that way, and the Spirit stops them and prompts them another way, and then ultimately there's this vision at night of the man from Macedonia that Paul sees that says, come over and, and help us. Paul had this vision to take the gospel one way. He had a strategy, and strategies are good, plans are good. But while he's making that plan and strategy, God's Holy Spirit interrupts him, energizes him, and says, Paul, I've got plans for you to go somewhere else. G. Campbell Morgan said it this way, it's better to go to Troas with God than anywhere else without him. <laughs> it's better to follow God's leadership. I was thinking through uh, some of the great missionaries of our time, of, of generations past, and I thought about David Livingston. His plan was to go to China. You know where David Livingston ended up? Africa. William Carey, one of the great missionaries of the, the modern missionary movement, he planned to go to the South Seas, and William Carey ended up in India. Adoniram Judson planned to go to India, and God led him to Burma. 
I was thinking about our missionaries here that we've sent out from Coastal Oaks Church, Jim and Judy Redmond. They had this call to go to Malaysia, and God stopped them and led them to Thailand. And that has opened the door for us as a congregation, as a church, to be involved in missions in Thailand. We have two families over there right now serving. I thought about my own plans when I graduated from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth. I I sent my resume. I I just knew where God wanted me to go. I sent my resume to West Texas because that's where I was from. I sent my resume to to churches and associations and state conventions in New Mexico and Arizona because I knew that's where God wanted me to go. I sent my resume to other places in Texas, but one place I did not send my resume was South Texas. Guess where I ended up? South Texas. God has a way of of redirecting and and guiding us the way he wants to. And here's the key. If we're going to be missionally minded, we've got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's work in our life. Because when you have a plan, often God has other plans, and it's good to be sensitive to that. My pastor in El Paso used to tell a story. Herschel Ford used to tell a story about a woman who was preparing for the mission field. and She felt called, and she went to seminary and was trained to, to go overseas and be a missionary But her sister in another state died before she could go overseas. And so this sister went to that other state to take care of her four children. She never made it to the mission field, but what she did was she poured her heart in the lives of those four kids. Guess what those four kids ended up doing? They ended up surrendering to God's call to international missions. So her desire was to go be a missionary. God's desire was for her to train missionaries. We have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit in every area of our life. Be open to however he might want to change your plans. Paul had a plan, and God redirected that plan. By the way, the gospel, Paul's desire was for the gospel to go to the east, and at this point, God's desire was for the gospel to go to Europe and the west, and ultimately for us to be the recipients of that grace. When we have this missional mindset, we'll be energized by the Spirit, but secondly, we'll recognize that God is preparing hearts. Recognize that God is already preparing hearts. I want to pick up the story in verse 11. Then setting sail from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, the next day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi. By the way, it's fun to get out a map of the Holy Land of the ancient time and follow Paul's journey here. From there, we went to Philippi. That was the the goal for, for Paul to plant this church in Philippi, a Roman colony which is leading city of the district of Macedonia. Luke was bragging, in a sense, on on Philippi there. On the Sabbath day, it says we stayed there for a number of days, that city for a number of days. And on the Sabbath day, verse 13, we went outside the city gate by the river where we thought there was a place of prayer. We sat down and spoke to the women gathered there. A woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who worshiped God, was listening. And the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was spoken by Paul. And after she and her household were baptized, she urged us, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. I want you to see what's happening here. God has this woman, Lydia, from Tyra, moved to Philippi there. And now she's settled. She's, she's a wealthy woman, a dealer in, in purple cloth, probably uh, so wealthy that she was able to have a large enough house to welcome Paul and his missionary team there without any difficulty. And she's there waiting for God to move. It says that she was with a group of women at the river praying. Now, this town 
in order for the, the town to have a synagogue, they needed at least 10 men. So apparently there, were, there weren't 10 Jewish men in that town. So they gathered together. These women gathered together at the river, and they were praying. These were what were called God-fearers, Gentiles who were open to the, the truths of the, the faith of, of the Jews, the teachings of the Old Testament, faithfulness to God, and they were embracing those teachings but hadn't completely fully committed to that and definitely hadn't committed to Christ because he hadn't been presented to them. So these folks are there. God is already, already preparing their hearts. Listen, when God prompts you to go somewhere, you can guarantee he's already preparing hearts there. When you're thinking about sharing the gospel with someone and God's prompting you and there's this, this um, stirring in your heart, you know how the, if you have that, that feeling, I need to talk to someone about Jesus, I need to talk to this friend, neighbor, coworker, family member. When God's stirring your heart, he's already stirred their heart. You can mark it down. That's the way God works. God had already prepared Lydia, had already prepared these women, get women gathered for prayer there at the river. God had already been working there as God is moving the Apostle Paul and his mission team to show up at Philippi. Would it have been tragic if God had prepared their hearts and they stayed there meeting and Paul didn't listen to the Holy Spirit and went on his own way? And here's a group of people God's prepared. I saw a diagram years ago where, that, that's helped me in, in sharing the gospel, and it's this. You have a, a picture of, a, of a, a person God is convicting, and then you have a person over here that God is prompting, and God wants to bring that person who's being prompted, a willing witness, into the path of the person who's got a prepared heart so you can share the gospel. That's the way God works. We need to recognize that God is already preparing hearts of people to be open to that, to be open to that detour. I've shared this story uh, multiple times, but uh, the church that I was a member of in Houston where I met Kelly, uh, we, we uh, met a young man there named Glenn, and he showed up at our Baptist church there one Sunday morning, and he said, I was raised a Methodist. That's all I knew. I was on my way to the Methodist church on this street, and it seemed like God was saying, don't go there, go to this Baptist church. He said, I didn't know anything about the Baptists. I didn't know what they believed. I heard a lot of stories about him, but God seemed to prompt me to go there. And he walked in that door, and that Sunday morning gave his heart to Christ. I believe God had been preparing Glenn. God stirred him. God moved him. God brought him to that church where he could hear the gospel clearly presented. I, I shared uh, before when I went to Ivory Coast in, in, in Africa and was uh, taking a tour of one of the basilicas there uh, in Yamasucro and the, I prayed for God to open doors for me to share the gospel, and of course, I was going there to teach other pastors, and I knew I'd be sharing there, but I had no idea what other doors God would open. The tour guide that took us through this basilica there, which is one of the largest in that part of the world, was open to the gospel, and in the elevator ride, going up, the elevator got stuck, going up to one of the levels, and while I was standing there talking, it's like God was nudging my heart, ask him if he's heard about Jesus. Because here's a guy giving me a tour of a, of a Catholic basilica. Surely he's heard about Jesus, but maybe he hadn't heard about the Jesus the way I've heard about him. So I begin to share Christ with him. We, the, finally, the elevator cleared up. We got to the top floor, and God arranged for me to walk across the roof of this basilica, not with the other group I was with, but just me and this tour guide to share the gospel with him. I really believe God had already prepared his heart, and God lined up for me to be there. And I, my plan was to go share with a bunch of preachers. God's plan for that day was for me to share with that tour guide. When we have a missional mindset, we'll be open to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, and we'll understand and recognize that God is already 
preparing hearts before we even get there. Number three, we have a missional mindset. We will revolutionize the culture. We will be a part of revolutionizing the culture, penetrating the darkness, making a difference. Look with me just a couple of verses here, verses 16 and 18. Once as we were on our way to prayer, a slave girl met us who had a spirit of prediction. She made a large profit for her owners by fortune-telling. And as she followed Paul and us, she cried out, These men who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation are the slaves of the Most High God. And she did this for many days. But Paul was greatly aggravated and turned to the Spirit and said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came right out. It came out right away. So here's a woman who is possessed by a spirit that's able to predict the future. Her owners have used her for their profit. Paul recognizes that. And for whatever reason, he doesn't want to be identified with her, I guess, even though she's announcing that they came to proclaim the message of the Most High God. He stops her, and he exercises that spirit. He says for that spirit to come out of her. Change life completely, penetrating the darkness. She was set free. When God's Holy Spirit prompts us to, be, to have a missional mindset. He's going to use us to bring transformation to the culture. Again, when I was in Ivory Coast, there was a, uh, I went with a friend from Austin, the man that I just met, and we went to teach together. And, and uh, Tim was telling me, we went to this village there, way out in the, way out in the, in the, in the, bro, in the bush. And we gathered around a tree, a shade tree, and they uh, were, were gathering with the elders of that village. And, and Tim told me about, you see that tree over there? When I was here a year ago, Tim said, there was a young man chained to that tree, and he was so out of control, they believed possessed by demons that they could not control him. They just chained him to that tree. And Tim said, he's over there now. He's not chained to the tree anymore. He's been set free. Now, you see stuff like that in Africa. You see it lived out just like Paul did here with this woman who was possessed by, by demonic spirits. God wants to set people free. And it may not be that dramatic for us. I love the reading account of a, a Baptist church in Medellin, Colombia. And this church meets in the home on an estate of a former drug lord. And the, the, the ads, the, the publicity about this church there is that this church is now meeting in what was the disco of this incredibly huge estate of this drug lord. And they tell the people, come to our church now, because we meet in what was used for darkness. We meet in a place now that God uses it for light. Isn't that a great picture? When I'm missionally minded, God's going to put people in my life. God's going to allow me to share Christ with them. God's going to allow our church to impact lives where there will be transformation. I just love it. Kelly's grandfather was a church planter in California, and much of what he did there was, was just going in. He would go into bars and uh, ask them if he could use their bar on a Sunday. They weren't being used on Sunday. And they'd come Saturday night, Sunday morning early, clean the bar out, and they'd have a church in there. Taking something that was initially used for darkness and transforming it to light. That's the way God works. I'm excited to see how God is transforming our, our state through the efforts of church planning in our state convention. We'll talk about that more in a minute. We have a missional mindset. We'll revolutionize the culture and we'll emphasize the variety of ways. We will emphasize the variety of ways that God uses to bring people to himself. I've skipped around a little bit in this passage, but I want to kind of walk back through here 
And first of all, look at verse 13 and 14 again. On the Sabbath day, Paul's team, Luke says, we went outside the city gate by the river where we thought there was a place of prayer. We sat down and spoke to the women gathered there and a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from that city of Thyatira was there who worshiped God and was listening. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was spoken by Paul. You have God using this missionary team at a Jewish prayer meeting. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? To take the gospel to a Jewish prayer meeting and for her to receive Christ. Look down at verse 16 with me. We just read this. Once again, as we're on our way, a slave girl met us who had a spirit of prediction, and Paul addresses her there. You have the gospel not only going to a Jewish prayer meeting, but going to a pagan, demon-possessed slave girl. And then look down at verse 25 with me. By the way, a, a, a riot breaks out because the owners of the slave girl don't like what, what has happened, and a mob wants to cause Paul and Silas and his team to no longer serve, and they're beaten with rods and put in the stocks. But look at verse 25 with me. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains came loose. When the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself since he thought the prisoners had escaped. In the Roman culture, that's what happened. If you were the jailkeeper, you're the jailer, and your prisoners escaped, you killed yourself. Paul called out with a loud voice, don't harm yourself because all of us are here. Then the jailer called for the lights and rushed in and fell down and trembling, fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he escorted them out and said, I love this, verse 30, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Isn't that a great question? Talk about an open door. You think God's Holy Spirit's been working on that guy? Tell me how I can be saved. That's obvious, the work of the Spirit. So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the message of the Lord to him along with everyone in his house. He took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he washed their wounds. Isn't that great? He washed their wounds. Right away, he and all his family were baptized. And he brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and rejoiced because he had believed God with his entire household. God works through a Philippian jailer in the life of a Philippian jailer. So you have God's Holy Spirit. Look at this variety of ways. A Jewish prayer meeting, a pagan, demon-possessed slave girl, and now a Gentile Roman jailer. And God works in all of those lives in different ways. He doesn't always work the same way, does he? And there's this dramatic prison escape that takes place in verse 27. When the, the earthquake comes, the doors are opened up. God stirs there. Be open to however God wants to work, however he wants to use you. It's not always going to look the same. We're not all, all going to be Billy Graham or whoever you have been mindset that you want to be like. We're not all going to be Mother Teresa or Beth Moore or whoever is your person that you follow. We all can't be them, but you can be you. My professor, my preaching professor at Southwestern Seminary, Jesse Northcutt, used to say this. He said, gentlemen, be the best you you can be for Jesus. Don't be anybody else. Well, I've taken that to heart. I, and I pray that. God, just let me be the best of me I can be for you. I don't want to be anybody else. 
Be available for God to use you because he's not going to work exactly the way he did with these folks when he's using you. It's going to look different, but you've got to be open. We had a man named Dave who used to attend our church. He was from, uh, I believe, Michigan area. Dave came down here and uh, he was dumpster diving in his RV park. His own, this is his own story. He found a Bible that someone had thrown away in the dumpster. And he, he had never read the Bible, and he took the Bible and found a Christian couple in his RV park who actually attended our church, and he asked them, can you share with me what this Jesus means? They led him to Christ. He came to know Christ, walked with the Lord, went back home, uh, got to be a part of seeing members of his family saved. Incredible story because he was dumpster diving. See the way God works? Don't rule him out. Don't say he can't do that. He'll use you if you're open and available to him. Look at the variety of ways that God uses to reach people. In the guide here, the prayer guide, you're going to read about church plants. You're going to read about church ministries that are breaking out in college campuses. You're going to read about disaster relief, all the different ways that our Southern Baptist of Texas Convention reaches people. When we have a missional mindset, God's going to use those variety of ways. But lastly, we will maximize the impact of the gospel. Maximize the impact of the gospel. In verse 14, the Bible says that she op- Lydia opened her heart to the Lord. And look at verse 15. After she and her household were baptized, she urged us to consider uh, her a believer in the Lord, and come stay at her house. Can I, can I share with you what happened there? Lydia went back to her household, shared the gospel with her servants and her family, and then invited Paul, we believe the church at Philippi, started in her home. Talk about maximizing the impact of the gospel. Here's a godly woman who was seeking the Lord, finally connected the dots and received Christ as Savior, and God used her to impact her household her family, and ultimately that city. And then we read about the Philippian jailer, verse 25. The Bible says again, uh, when they were delivered, uh, skip down with me to verse 31. So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus, you will be saved in your household. And they spoke the message of the Lord to him, along with everyone in his house. This, 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 um, it's almost like a wave as the gospel goes and impacts these, these families and their servants and their family members. Tell you what, you see a husband, a father come to Christ, you'll often see the family come to Christ. It works that way. You follow through the, Old Te- through the New Testament and you'll see repeatedly stories of, of the head of the home being the person who comes to know Christ and how that filters down and maximizes the impact of the gospel and others come to know Christ. Again, when I was in Ivory Coast, my, one of my translators was a man named Dennis. And I asked him to tell me his story. And his, his family worked on a, on a, on a small uh, a cacao farm there in, in Ivory Coast. And he told me this story about how um, his family came to know Christ. And his older sister married into a family of believers. And she came to know Christ. And she came back and told him about Jesus and others in his family. He was being responsible to share the gospel with others in his family, and they were all coming to know Christ because of that testimony. I think about our state maximizing the impact on one of the, I don't know what page it is, they're not numbered, but this green page here, that talks about people's groups in our state. Texas people group facts. 
The population is expected to increase by 22% in this decade, 34% from international migration. Our state is going to increase in population, 34% by people migrating in. There are right now 420 different people groups, 300, over 300 different languages, 500,000 more Muslims and 1 million Hindus and Buddhists in our state, 200 Islamic mosques, 100 Hindu temples, and 150 Buddhist temples. That is what you call a diverse culture that God has brought to our state. And then they also note there 82,000 international students. God has brought the world to Texas. And our convention is instrumental in reaching those different people's groups. I, uh, in, inside your, your, your guide there, there's an envelope, and it says Reach Texas Offering. You need to understand what this is. Every year, our church emphasizes three offerings. Around Christmas time, we have what we call the Lottie Moon Offering for International Missions. That's an offering that we give to go to missions across the world internationally. Then around Easter, we give what's known as the Annie Armstrong Offering. That's an offering for missions in North America and Canada. And then we have this Reach Texas offering this time of year that's specifically for missions here in Texas. Now, as you give to the Lord through your local church every week, as you tithe, a percentage of that, 8% of that, goes to missions also. So we're already giving to missions every week that we give. Our, our church sends that money on to our state convention that goes on to the North American Mission Board, the International Mission Board, and our six seminaries that train pastors and missionaries. But then three times a year, we have these special offerings. Does that make sense? So you are already a missional church. You didn't even know it if you're giving. But I want you to pray. I want you to take that and pray about reaching some of these people's groups, that God could use you to support the, the emphasis to take the gospel to engage the people of Texas. Now, you may be praying, and I want you to pray, God, how should I give? But I, will, I also want you to be praying, God, how could you use me? You may not be going overseas like some of our folks do. You may be going to another state like some of our folks do. You may be going across the street. You may be going to your neighbor. You may be going to your coworker, to your fellow student. But would you pray with me that God would make us an even more missionally-minded church and that he would use this emphasis of our state mission offering to renew our commitment to reaching unreached people. Let's pray together.